Well, good morning. Welcome to College Park. It's good to have you here with us today, and I want to say hello and welcome to those joining us online. It's strange. We just got to get used to the reality now that we've got a live audience and online. So we're thankful that you all are tuning in with us today for this service. Um, before we begin our worship service time together, I just wanted to make share, uh, introduce someone to you. Um, I would like to welcome Kobe Solms. You can come on up here on the platform. Uh, this week was Kobe's first week with us on staff here at College Park as a part-time member. Uh, he's our new communications director, so we wanted to uh, take some time for him to get to know you. Um, so, Kobe, welcome, first of all. Thank you. Uh, it's been really good to have you a part of the team already just this week. And um, just to give the, the church body here a chance to get to know you, can you share a little bit about yourself, where are you from, and, and maybe how did you get connected with uh, the College Park family? Sure. So originally, I grew up in Grant County for about 18 or 19 years, and uh, we moved to Huntington about three or four years ago. And so uh, shortly after we moved here, we started coming here, and I just graduated from HU. Um, well, I graduate in August. But um, yeah, and so I just joined the team. It was just a good, natural fit. And then I'm also splitting my time uh, with UB and the bishop doing some projects with media as well. Awesome. Yeah, and we're, we're thankful for the partnership with office and uh, sharing Kobe with us so I know he's gonna be um, very helpful in many projects so um, so last week if you were at home maybe watching the live stream part of the reason why it looked and sounded so great was because of Kobe um, my, my tech uh, skills only go to a certain point and then I'm kind of fishing in the dark or shooting in the dark I don't know what proper analogy that would be so we have a lot to thank uh, Kobe for for last Sunday for things going so smoothly but while we're on the talk, topic of your skill set, uh, why don't you share a little bit about um, your responsibilities here at College Park and what you'll be overseeing? Sure. So obviously, I'm in charge of the live stream that's going on right now. So hello, everybody at home. Um, I'm also taking care of uh, testimonies and promotional video and photo, along with website and social media, and kind of just filling in the gaps, I guess, just doing what I can to make sure we're running smoothly. Awesome. So any kind of uh, technological forms that we use to communicate the gospel and to connect with people, that's kind of your, the world you're living in. So thank you. Um, well, thank you for taking a moment to introduce yourself, and I look forward to working with you, and I'm very grateful personally that you're here. Again, like I said, uh, I love having another person that's more technologically advanced than I am, so it's been awesome. Uh, so let's go ahead as a church and just welcome him with applause this morning. So, Kobe, welcome, welcome aboard. Thank yeah. you. Well, let us go ahead and stand together as we enter into this time of worship. As we enter in, uh, why don't we look to the Lord in prayer together? Heavenly Father, you are good, you are gracious to us, and you've given us life, and we get to enjoy these moments together uh, on, in, in your creation and as we worship and as we come together to sing and to build one another up and to glorify the name of Jesus. And as we do that now, we just ask for your spirit to, to come in and, and change our hearts today. Help us to become uh, more like you, Jesus, in how we submit and how we follow and how we love the Father and how we love you and follow you uh, as your church in this world. So as we worship now, please uh, bless us with your presence and uh, help shape us into the people that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. Well, let us worship together and celebrate the, the great things that God has done for us.
Bill, can we just scoot back and read those scriptures together as a church just to remind us of the, the good news of what God has done for us? Let's read these two scriptures together. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let us just thank the Lord with applause this morning for what he's done for us. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for your saving power, your grace, and your mercy that you lavish upon us every day of our lives. Help us to, to grasp the weight of your love for us so that we can turn with true repentance, uh, that your kindness would lead us to repentance, Lord, uh, to be your followers uh, and your people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to enter into our, our kids' segment of this service, so let's go ahead and take a seat, and we've got a quick video to share with you. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Well, we're going to share a song with you called Happy Day, and we're going to invite you all to, to stand and sing with us. And for any of the kids in the room, if you guys want to jump in and, and just kind of follow our motions leaders here this morning, they're going to, they're going to be doing some motions uh, while we sing this song. So it's just a fun, joyful uh, song uh, celebrating the day that Jesus uh, paid for our sin and washed all of our, our sin away. Amen? That's something to be happy about, right? Yeah, amen. All right, let's sing together.
Jesus, we worship you and thank you for your, your gift of, of life, uh, that you were the firstborn of the, of the dead. You were the first to be raised again, and we will follow you in that same way someday. We're thankful. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you to our motions team. It's good having you up here with us. Well, you're going to hear the words uh, from the sermon time this morning that we were once hostile and alienated uh, to the Father, but now we have been reconciled and made blameless before God. And it's, that was accomplished through Jesus' physical and real bodily death on the cross for us, that we were made reconciled to the Father. And such a wonderful and immense gift of mercy that while we were still hostile to God and enemies, um, that he came and, and died for us, our Savior. Amen? What a great mercy. So let's just worship our Lord and, and thank him for that in this, this next song. Leave. 
We are so thankful uh, that you are a God who uh, did not abandon us or leave us into our own sin, but you came for us. You ran to us with arms open wide, just like in the story of the prodigal son. That's your heart for us, us broken sinners that have wandered away. And God, as we prepare to hear your word now, we pray that you would uh, just prepare our hearts, soften us, Lord, and give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth for us today, and that you would change us by the power of your spirit. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I would like to welcome uh, Todd Fetters on up to the platform um, to share the word of God with us. For those of you who do not, do not know Todd, or maybe you're watching online, you don't know Todd. Uh, Todd is the bishop of the United Brethren in Christ denomination, which is the denominational family that our church, College Park Church, is a part of. And so um, he's, he's, our, he's our leader, our fearless leader up there at the top, and so we're thankful that he's here with us. But around here, around these parts, College Park, he likes to be known as the lucky husband of his wife, Lisa, and the proud dad of Jordan and Quinn. And he'd also like you to know that as a child growing up here in Huntington, Todd was the, the fortunate recipient of... Uh, God's grace, as well as, uh, uh, you know, grace of the people here at this church. So we're thankful that uh, he is here to share with us today. So let's give uh, Todd a warm welcome as he comes to share the word. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. You got it? Well, it's great to be with you this morning and to uh, be able to be in person. And for those of you not in person, it's uh, just nice to know that you're out there watching and worshiping together with uh, our team here. 
Uh, Before I begin this morning, indulge me in thanking our ministry staff because the last four months have just been extraordinary. They have have learned how to merge uh, ministry and technology with an urgency like never before. And now with, uh, they have been reimagining, in some ways rethinking, in some ways re-engineering how we do church, uh, how we think about church, how we engage being the church. And now with our health and safety in mind, they're working to provide creative venues that give us in-person and online options to connect together with God. Now, like all of our United Brethren ministry teams around the country, College Park team has risen to the challenge, getting better each and every week. And so uh, thank you, Pastor Jason, Pastor Matt, Pastor Paul, Brad, Olivia, Dave, Deb, and now Kobe, welcome to the team at just the right time. Would you thank our pastoral team? And now a word to Pastor Jason. Welcome to College Park. None of us saw nor wanted COVID-19 to have such an impact on the start of your ministry. You've led exceptionally well in the face of these circumstances. And it's wonderful to have the Carter family in Huntington. Each of us is growing more confident each and every week that the Lord has brought the Carter family and the College Park Church family together at just the right time. Would you join me in thanking Pastor Jason? Since Pastor Jason arrived, I've enjoyed watching him lay the groundwork, lay out the themes that will put us on a trajectory to make a deep impact in our neighborhoods and among the nations. We are a gospel people, empowered by the Holy Spirit, holding fast to the supremacy of Christ. It's my privilege today to pick up on the theme, Christ plus nothing, in a sermon entitled, The True Gospel. Would you grab your Bibles and turn and tap or tap your way to Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. While you're on your way there, just like you, there are many categories to my self-identity. Athlete is one of them. Throw me a basketball, I'll put up the shot. Tee up a golf ball, I'll grip it, I'll rip it, I'll likely slice it and lose it. Hand me a bat, hand me a ball, I'll swing for the fence. If there's a competition and a definite win-lose outcome, game on. Even better if there's a trophy to commemorate the moment. Sadly, I would have you know that for all the competitive events that I've played in and all the competitive teams I've played for, I've never got a trophy. Granted, I grew up in the day when trophies weren't handed out as readily as they are today, but I always wanted one. Well, I did receive one in eighth grade. 
When my father, when Pop took me to, with him on a weekend speaking engagement, the church's spiritual life emphasis weekend, it was complete with food, with games, with a bike rodeo, and a pig catching contest. <laughs> I was awarded this trophy, not for my agility on the court, not for my balance in the tee box, and not for my hand-eye coordination in the batter's box. I got this for catching a pig. <laughs> the pig got got, and I got this. While the trophy may not be impressive in size or significance of achievement, it still means enough to me to display it in my home and to show it, share it with you today. I'm going to come back to this theme of a trophy in a moment or later, but now let's get in to the true gospel, Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and which I, Paul, have become a servant. Among the words associated with true is its antonym, false. From the moment he was miraculously converted on the Damascus road to his martyrdom at the hands of Nero, the Apostle Paul patiently, steadfastly, and valiantly contended for the gospel against naive misunderstandings, innocent misconceptions, ill-conceived, ill-informed misperceptions, and yes, blatant misrepresentations. In a word, there were false gospels orbiting around Colossae, challenging the true gospel that Paul proclaimed and was a servant of. Now, it's been said that spotting a counterfeit, something, whatever it may be, is easier when you're familiar with the real thing. And so I'm going to adopt that mentality with you today. So as, as we talk about what is, or as we define what is the true gospel, it's a story that needs to be told from beginning to end. God created the world, and man was made in his image. The chief creation of God's created acts. Adam and Eve rebelled, and their sin is inherent to all of us. God chose Abraham and created a people to become his representatives on earth through priests, through kings, through the nation and the prophets. Israel failed again and again, preferring idolatry and its attendant sins. God sent his son to do what Adam and Israel did not do. A permanent solution. I want to pause for a moment and say a permanent solution was needed, but God's timing in history had to be on point. 
the Apostle Paul directs the Galatian church and us to the point of this historic juncture. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the time had fully come, and I would say fully come, the time had fully come, is all in God's perspective. It makes sense to him. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. What a beautiful theme. What a touching reality. Enter Jesus, the Son of God, as the good news within the larger story of salvation. Here's Paul's understanding of Christ in the salvation story. That Christ was born. That Christ died. That Christ was buried. That Christ was raised. That Christ appeared. That Christ ascended. That Christ will return. Those are the absolutes. Now, Back to the larger story as it continues. The church is the new Israel, the spiritual Israel, empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We are purposed to declare the praises of God, particularly in a dark world, as Peter would have us understand. And we do this until the day of Christ's glorious return, when the church will gather with God in the realms of heaven forever. That's the larger story that God is inviting us into. That is the true gospel, and it can be summarized in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. While there is information, the gospel is primarily an individual, Jesus. While there is content, the gospel is primarily a character, Jesus. And while there are propositional truths, the gospel is primarily a person, Jesus. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It all comes back to Jesus. The Church of the United Brethren in Christ is a 250-year-old denomination that began on Pentecost Sunday in 1767. It's a revivalist movement in the flow of pietistic spirituality. Our founders embraced both orthodoxy, what we think about God or what we believe about God, and relationship, how we relate with God, how we relate to God. However, in the face of dead orthodoxy of their times and ritualistic ecclesiology, our early founders preached the gospel which the Holy Spirit used to spark heart fires inside men and women. Their message, come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. Pastors Otterbein, Bame, and Newcomer, our early three founders, would have loved to preach in this series, Christ plus nothing. 
they believed and passed along to us the priority of a spirituality that was centered on a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Now, authors uh, Christopher Gertz and Mark Patty in their book, The Pietist Option, describe this pietistic instinct very well. While propositional truth is important, we know God more through the prepositions. As I unpack these verses, 1 through 21 to 23, there are important propositions to believe, but I want you to pay close attention to the prepositions. As I highlight and expand four key identity realities that define our relationship with Jesus. First, apart from Jesus, we are alienated and antagonistic. Paul says in verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Without Jesus, we are estranged from God and we act hostile towards him. He views us. Catch that, right? He views us. He decides. He determines that we're an enemy. You and I may think that apart from Jesus, we're our own man or our own woman, but really we are duped by our depraved thinking and thus live and circulate in the orbit of a devious, shadowy adversary who loathes God and seeks to thwart you at every opportunity. Paul's challenge is at the expense of Gnosticism the heresy du jour in Colossae. And he challenges the blatant misrepresentation that esoteric spirituality was good and physical matter was bad or evil. Gnostics were super spiritual, but they were super wrong and thus presented a false gospel. Apart from Jesus, the mind is hostile and wants Only one thing, what's the best for me? What's in it for me? How can I satisfy me? And if it's at the expense of you, so be it. If it's not in the best interest of my neighborhood, that's fine. It's all about me and becoming the best me I can humanly become. Consequently, the hostile mind chooses behaviors that tends towards self-indulgence, that wittingly or unwittingly lead to self-enslavement, and that ultimately ends in self-destruction. Addiction comes to mind. Toss out, Paul would say, toss out the mental compartmentalization. Our whole being is a slave to sin. And here's the good news. Your whole being matters to God. The true gospel Jesus wants to put you holistically together. Jesus makes it possible for us to live the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength slash body. 
And the consequence will be positive for those around you. You will love your neighbor as yourself. Alien and antagonistic, how do you see yourself? It really doesn't matter. Do you now know that God sees you apart from Jesus as an enemy? That's bad news, but here's the good news. By Jesus, we are rescued and reconciled. Look at verse 22. By now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death. Who does this? Who rescues their enemy at such a great personal cost to themselves or to those that they love and then turns them into a friend? God does. That's what God does. The father sent his son into the world to seek and save those who are lost in their alienation, in their, in their self-enslavement, living toward their self-destruction. God, in their enmity of sin, Jesus has come to seek and to save those who are lost. And in that moment when Adam and Eve bit the apple, any escape from our alienation, status, any, any escape from our enmity with God requires divine help. God provided help and through the priestly-led sacrificial system in the Old Testament. It involved the slaughter of innocent scapegoats when you needed rescued and reconciliation. It was effective for the duration God instituted it. However, that system, though purposeful for releasing the guilty person and reconciling him with God, it was akin to the shampoo bottle instructions, wash, rinse, and repeat. Thus, at just the right time, at just the right time, God sent his son as the perfect permanent sacrifice and thus reconciled us to himself by the intensive force of Christ's death at the moment he said, it is finished. At just the right time, Paul says it to the Romans in Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how God showed his love for us at just the right time. While we were sinners, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. Perfect sacrifice. Permanent sacrifice. He is perfect in that he was both divine and human. For as God, he could fully atone for sin. And as a human, fully human, he was the perfect sinless man standing in the place of sinful humanity. Paul's challenge to the blatant misrepresentation of the Gnostics centers on the fact that matter is not evil. Matter matters. God created and declared all matter good, including the skin and bone hide of humanity. Furthermore, God's dual, Christ's dual nature is not problematic because as Pastor Jason taught us last week, God, the invisible God, is pleased to have his visible form in Jesus. The fullness of God dwells in the Son. To truly know God, to truly know God, we need Jesus. You won't become a friend any other way. Liberation and reconciliation, that's not going to be achieved through some super knowledge nor through some super spiritual self-abasement. 
nor by enlisting supernatural intermediaries. We need the true gospel. We need Christ plus nothing. Third, through Jesus, catch the preposition, through Jesus, we are positioned and progressing. The, Paul says, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Let's key in on the word present. God sees us differently. Now, we, he used to see us as an enemy, but because of Jesus, his rescue uh, on the cross, he's positioned us differently. He sees us differently than before. He declares us holy. He doesn't see a flaw. He entertains no adversary's accusation against us. All because of Christ's substitutionary death on the cross and our divinely stirred faith response to Jesus. But listen, it isn't enough to be positioned differently. We have to be progressing in our being different. We cannot be a friend and still live like an alien to God. We can't be a friend and still live like an enemy in this world. When we become a friend of God, moving from our alienation, it is quite likely that we will become alienated from the world because we will be different. A different set of priorities, a different spirit, a different person. Christ is being formed in us. See, God takes the lead on this too. He sends the Holy Spirit to dwell inside each of us so that Christ can be formed in us and on display to the world around us. Maybe not the world around us, but for me, at the corner of Oak Street and Agnes. In a couple weeks, <clears throat> you'll be looking at Colossians chapter 3 for some appropriate Christian attire. Dr. Luke Fetters will take you there. He's been like a brother to me. <laughs> you might want to look at that text already and see the difference we're supposed to be. The Gnostics were committed to releasing their divine nature from the soma sema, the body tomb, is what they called the physical frame. Inside was the, the real essence of the person, the divine that needed to be released in us. Paul challenged that blatant misrepresentation by rightly emphasizing Christ's empty tomb. Christ died and rose again, obtaining for us all the freedom from the control of sin, death, and hell for all who believe in that he is the Son of God. Therefore, there's no pressure on us to release a divine nature. Instead, the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us, forming and displaying the true gospel, Jesus, for all to see. Fourth, check the preposition. In Jesus, we are continuing and called. Paul says, if you continue in your faith established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. It sounds like Paul's making a conditional statement with respect to salvation. He is, he, he's not. He's simply pointing 
His point is to aim the church at the true gospel, Jesus, and away from the distortions of false teachers. The true gospel sets us on course in Christ. But we must persevere in faith, be steadfast in our hope, be enduring in our love. By all means, we must continue with the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Yes, there are going to be setbacks along our way in journeying with Jesus, but there's never, ever needs to be a reason, an excuse or a need to step back or step away from Jesus. He has called us to the gospel that we heard from reliable voices, and he calls us to be reliable voices too, and promises us to be with us to the very end of the age. In battling the blatant misrepresentation of the Gnostics, I wonder if Paul sensed the need to bolster the Colossians' individual and group identity. By the time this letter made it to them, Colossae was no longer, no longer a city of status. It was once a thriving commercial town along the east-west trade route linking the Aegean Sea and the Euphrates River. But when the trade route changed, Laodicea and Hierapolis became the major, the region's important cities of interest and activity. Sort of like, if you ever watch the movie Cars, it's sort of like those small towns along Route 66 that get bypassed when the interstate system was created. So were they struggling with significance? Did the Colossians inherently think less of themselves? Did their pride take a hit? Did they wonder if they were important? Is that what attracted them to Gnosticism or made it such a threat? They wouldn't be the first or last to fall victim to a crafty, lofty-sounding, bait-and-switch message for a better life. So perhaps Paul pointed them to the significance of the true gospel. Christ plus nothing is more than enough. Say it with me. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Just sit and soak in that for a moment. It's more than information. It's an individual. It's more than content. It's a character. It's more than propositional. It's a person. Jesus. 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 I'll never forget, there's something special, something wonderful, something powerful about that name. I'll never forget the last words I heard Orphe speak. She was 87, petitely weighing in at less than 100 pounds, 
lying semi-conscious in her hospital bed, ready to be with Jesus. I was at the hospital for a pastoral visit, but we never talked to each other. In fact, she probably, I'm sure she knew, never knew I was there. Instead, I listened to her laboring to say one word, which she said over and over and over again. Jesus. 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 It had the effect of an echo on my soul. I was 24 years old. I determined and included that Orphe was safe and in God's good hands. This punk kid preacher didn't need to bother her at all. But the thought occurred to me that has never left me since. If at the end of my life, I'm reduced to Jesus, I have all that matters. Orphe lived her life in allegiance to Jesus. She was a trophy of God's grace. Within 24 hours after my visit, the Lord visited her, and he reached into her hospital room And he grabbed a hold of his trophy, and he held her up and said, This is my trophy, holy, blemish-free, and without accusation. I am proud of her, and I take her home. Is that what you envision? Is that what you envision at the end of your day? Come back to Jesus. If you're an enemy, you can be a friend. By Jesus, through Jesus, in Jesus. Trophies of God's grace. He did it for Paul. He did it for Orphe. And he can do it for you. Let's pray. Father, today we take great comfort in the fact those of us who have been transitioned and positioned as as a friend and no longer an enemy, we are grateful for the good work of Jesus in transforming us into his image. Father, may we continue to fight the fight. May we continue to press forward. May we continue to be cooperative in the work of the Holy Spirit, creating and forming Jesus in us, particularly in the, for the benefit of those in the neighborhoods where we live, work, learn, and play, and among the nations. And Father, for those who today may have understood for the first time their enemy status with you, I ask and implore your spirit to move in their heart, to confess their sin, believe that Jesus died, rose, died, buried, rose, ascended, and coming again, and to commit themselves to a life's journey of allegiance walking with you. Amen. Amen. Well, let us go ahead and stand together. And as we just continue this Colossians series, uh, Christ Plus Nothing, 
Uh, we want to just re- refresh you all on the song that we shared last week called God of the Ages. And it's taken right out of the passage that was preached on last week, just the supremacy of Jesus, that he is the image of the invisible God that, as, as Todd said, the Father was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. So let us, let us worship our Savior, our Jesus, together. the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. He is the first, the last, the one who matters most. He is creator, ruling, sustainer of all. name. 
the name of Jesus in this place. Amen. Amen. Well, as we prepare to go, I want to release you with a benediction, and then we'll have a seat, and then just like last Sunday, we'll just kind of dismiss you by section. So if you could bow your heads with me. Church, may the Spirit of Christ, the same Christ that reconciled you, reconciled you to the Father by his physical death, be with you all. And may he empower you to carry on that same mission of reconciliation to the ends of the earth as you faithfully follow him until he returns. And all God's people said, amen, amen.